This episode of Punk Rock HR is sponsored by The Star Conspiracy. The Star Conspiracy is the B2B marketing agency for innovative brands creating the future of workplace solutions. For more information, head on over to thestarconspiracy.com. Hey everybody, I'm Lori Rudiman. Welcome back to Punk Rock HR. My guest today is Zach Nunn. He's the founder of Living Corporate and a return guest on Punk Rock HR. Living Corporate is a media platform. It's a conglomerate that really tries to center black, brown, and other marginalized voices and tell stories about the world of work. I'm a huge fan of Living Corporate, but more importantly, I'm a huge fan of Zach Nunn. And I think in this conversation, you'll hear two people chatting about the real world of starting a business, which is what Zach has done with Living Corporate, some of the challenges, and also what it's like to be an entrepreneur. So if you're curious about any of this at all, sit back and enjoy this conversation with Zach Nunn on this week's Punk Rock HR. Hey, Zach, welcome back to the show. What's up? Thank you for having me. It's good to be back. Yeah, it's been a while. How's life? You know what? Life is crazy, right? Like the world is on fire. With that being said, I want to acknowledge that and also say for me, life is good. You know what I'm saying? Like life is life is cool. I have a toddler now. My wife and I are expecting another daughter here in a little bit. So just excited about our growing family. Living Corporate is doing great. Well, let's talk about all of it because Living Corporate, I know, is how we met initially. Tell everybody if they don't know, you are a returning guest, so they should know. But if they don't, what is Living Corporate and why the heck are you on my podcast today? Oh, so first of all, I'm on your podcast podcast because you're the homie right and you invited me back or i asked or something happened and we were back together that's how we roll that's what that's about but then as it pertains to living corporate living corporate is uh, it's a digital media network that centers and amplifies black and brown folks at work started off as a single podcast it's now grown to over six different podcasts a bunch of different web shows writing series research a job board career advice it's a resource for historically marginalized historically oppressed groups in the workplace and also a learning resource for aspirational allies Right. And so um, we've been around since like 2018. We continue to grow. We continue to evolve. And uh, I just love it. I love the work. I love the space. Well, you've had some pretty big announcements in the past couple of weeks about living corporate. So what's going on over there? So a couple of things. I mean, one earlier this like really was like in what was that like July? We actually announced the fact that our whole brand and like website and interface had changed. So like we talked about in our first time on your show. Shout out to your show. Phenomenal guest, by the way. Please keep going. Thank you. You know, we have a library of over like 2,000 pieces of media between our podcasts, our blogs, research, and it's all focused on diversity, equity, inclusion. We just don't use those words, but it's all about experience of historically marginalized folks or just talking about just like the real of navigating these places as someone on the margins. And so to that point, we really didn't maximize the value of that library. When we look at our data, though, as I'm sure you look at your podcast data, we noticed that there was like, (laughs) right, too much, to be honest. We noticed that there were people downloading episodes from like a year ago 
ago, two years ago. And I'm like, okay, what does it look like for people to get content from our library pushed to them, right? When they say, you know what, there's people here who are just looking to be a better ally, look to be a better leader. What would it look like if they created a profile, selected content, and then content got pushed to them from our library on their respective homepage? And so that was a huge part of Living Corporate and the web, like that functionality in terms of just really optimizing, operationalizing our content for learning and development. I want to talk a little bit about it because that move from being just a space where media is collected to really being a modern learning platform takes a big investment yeah. and it takes a serious commitment to technology. So how did you even get there from just having a bunch of blogs and conversations to being essentially the CEO of a tech company? Well, first of all, thank you for that framing. It's very gracious of you and helpful. And it's also accurate. So I appreciate it. I think here's the thing. After like month three, when Living Corporate started in 2018, I had a vision of, look, we're going to continue to have all these conversations. I'm coming from change management, people management. So like learning and development is not new to me. So I already was like, yo, this is going to be a lot of content. Like, like we need to think about what are the things we can do now to make sure that if we ever want to change, we can do that easily. So early on, we like were really heavy on categorization of our content mm -hmm. and our data. So, you know, we transcribe all of our podcasts and that was really important for us early on. One for accessibility, because we know that there are some people who literally will engage a podcast and like never listen to the podcast. They'll just read the transcript. So we wanted to do that. And that took like, that was thousands of dollars like over the years just paying for that because you can do like the automated transcription service but it's not going to be the same quality as having a human being really go in and like make sure it's word for word accurate absolutely so, absolutely and also the way people speak and the way we read are two different things so you want it to be accurate to what has been said but you also want it to be legible and intelligible 100 percent. so we did that so that was the first thing and then by like year two and a half <laughs> at that point i was really really getting into ted like the webted.com and it excited me because I was like, man, they have this whole library of content and they have all these different categories. And you can create a profile and then they'll like push recommendations to you. And it's like really interactive. <laughs> and, da, 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 da. and I was just like so excited about the idea of like this learning library, right? Like Ted doesn't promote itself as a learning platform per se, but it is right. Like you go on Ted, you listen to it, you listen to a podcast or you watch a video or you read an article and you say, hey, do you check out Ted? And from that point, I was like, this is where we need to go. And so to your question about like the technology and investment, you know, we had a lot of conversations with a lot of different vendors, like designers, engineers, just to figure out, okay, here's where we ultimately want to be. Here's where we are today. How do we continue to get to that next level? And so we had some really great partners. I had to do a lot of workshopping to like really get my view down sharp of what I wanted that user experience to be. I was also blessed to have the right partners who, when I showed them TED and I showed them Harvard Business Review and I showed them a couple other platforms that I really respect and I like, they were able to help create that vision for me. You know, last time you were on the show, you told my audience, please stop giving us lectures. Please stop telling us to get more education. We need money. We need investment. We need your things, right? And when I think about you building your platform, hopefully you got some of that. Hopefully you got some of that investment. Some people said, this is worth investing in. We believe in this and we believe in you, Zach. So was that your experience? Yo, I love the question. The short answer is Living Corporate is completely bootstrapped and has been bootstrapped from its beginning. The website and all the investment that went into that, including its job board and all of the work there, everything that you see came from me. Now, I will say this, though. We did have a Kickstarter a little while ago that did very well. And so that helped. I think we raised like $14,000, you know, and after tax, I think I got like 11 G's or something like that. And so that was great. But as it pertains to like kind of going like the VC route, we haven't done that yet. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm really trying to figure 
figure out and this is like really like that next stage of where I want Living Corporate to be because my dream is for Living Corporate to essentially be partially to be like Paramount but for black and brown experience at work I want to be a huge media conglomerate for historically marginalized people and for aspirational allies like that's what I want it to be and I know for that to happen I'm going to need a different level of investment I'm going to need a different level of involvement and engagement I just haven't found that yet you know what I'm saying but that's okay I do I also think there's this thing around being an entrepreneur where you own it and you own 100% of the success and failure I mean you have people you have partners you have wonderful contributors on the platform but it's you know it's yours and to invite someone in and to trust them has got to be a tremendous leap of faith I don't know are you ready for that here's the thing I believe in trust and living corporate and what it's going to be I have the number so I know what it is on a variety of different levels right now the challenge what I have is my understanding and my experience just even talking to people who have engaged with investors and VCs is just to be really careful with who you engage because living corporate is for profit but we're mission driven first we're mission driven for profit so like I'm not racing for living corporate to be a billion dollar business I'm racing for living corporate to reach a billion people but some of these timelines and run rates that um, VCs will push for can be a bit aggressive and so I think for me it's like okay I'm fully on like if someone's like hey Zach let's build this and blow living corporate up I'm like yo I'm great for that I'm all here for that but my anxiety comes in when it's like hey let's do that at the expense of the mission and so finding that right person that right group that right balance that's where I believe it's probably going to take time yeah I believe that as well well while you're trying to figure out the mechanics of the future of living corporate it's doing great now I mean it's on fire but you've also made an astute statement that the world is on fire and even the landscape of diversity equity inclusion belonging accessibility has changed since we've spoken last so what's it like at work these days you know I continue to be challenged I think we talked about this last time by and large you know corporate diversity equity inclusion is pretty much a scam not only is is like corporate diversity inclusion not integrated within like any organizations go to market success it's not intrinsically seen as valuable to your bottom line so the strategy isn't there to connect those dots because it just isn't seen inherently as valuable and then when you look at like the people who are oftentimes leading DEI or leading those initiatives even if they have the skill set or they're knowledgeable enough to really speak on things related to go to market they're not going to be respected and seen internally by their peers as go to market leaders right and so as i think about this landscape today i'm not completely hopeless but i'm a bit pessimistic i mean let's look at like let's look at the market like the market right now everything is down and if you like just double click on any of these orgs the first people to go are always the people organizations it's always the non-revenue generating groups right you know it's tough it's depressing you think about like we talked about the top of the show i have a daughter i'm about to have another one i think about like just the future for women the future for black women specifically like oh so for me where i'm at is yo like what does it really look like to continue to speak truth to power to challenge these organizations when they come on living corporate or any of our affiliate shows within our network or extended network and to also challenge them behind the scenes for different types of engagements and campaigns like don't reach out to living corporate asking us to promote your white executive and white executive team for free you're clearly looking for something clearly see there's value here stop sending your pr agencies to living corporate to ask us to do free promotions and ad spots and this is a moment right now where we're at the edge of something right like we're, we're not going to be able to continue in the ways that we've been going in society and certainly within like the context of dei you think about the future of work you think about these gen zers coming to the workplace they don't give a damn about the corporate language and jargon they want certain environments and changes and they want those things today they'll leave 
leave and embarrass you on the way out if they don't get them. And so we're at a really significant moment. Well, we certainly are. I mean, we're at an inflection point, but sometimes the status quo can go on for a while, right? Like our timeline and what we see is like short term and long term, it can go on for an extended period of time. I think a lot of these executives out there are waiting out Gen Z and waiting for them to become a little bit more mature in their life cycle, wanting to buy a home, wanting to start a family, wanting a good credit score, which is all a scam, right? It's all a scam, but they're waiting for them to want these things. They're betting on the fact that they want quote unquote social mobility, and then they'll have more power over them, right? So they're like, okay, 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 we'll deal with the boomers. We'll even put up with Gen Xers and we're going to wait for these Gen Z kids to catch up. What do you think about that? Do you really think this movement within this younger generation is going to stick? I do because I think that Gen Zers practice sol- like they practice like generational solidarity in a different way than other generations before them. I think they're really, really confident of what they see and how they've dissected and diagnosed the world around them. And I don't see them making some about face, right? Like I don't even see a bunch of millennials doing that. But like young people have the benefit of just being young, and there's just a lot of like youthful like arrogance and like naivete. It's kind of like they don't know that, that they quote unquote shouldn't say this or shouldn't do that, and it's awesome. Like I genuinely think that. That's the best. (laughs) And so, no, I... (laughs) Wait, do you remember feeling like that? Like feeling like, why can't I? You know, did you have some of that in your youth? A hundred percent. I mean, again, shoot, I'm only 33. So it's like, here's the thing, like there's large parts of me that still feel like that, right? Even with about to have two kids, right? And like, and married with a second house and a mortgage and a 401k and all the other adult boring things that we have to do. So yeah, I 100% think that like in the waiting game between boomers and late Gen Xers and Gen Zers, that Gen Zers are going to win. I was on Twitter the other day and I was like, yo, like it was the, the CEO of JP Morgan. CEO of JP Morgan talking about, let me track your Zoom calls and your badge and y'all not meeting a lot on Fridays. And I looked up his age. I think he was like 60. I was like, he about to die. Like you're going to die. Like, you know that, right? Like you have a bunch of 20 something year olds. You think that. And so I said, I was like, yo, I was like, y'all are going to let these old white guys destroy these companies like right in front of y'all. Like you need to pay attention. Some guy responded to me. I'm not going to say his name, but he's certainly old and white and he was like the slackers about to get let go i said listen he's like i'm cold so i'm telling all my clients that i said your clients need to get their money back because if you think that a bunch of 68 and 69 and 70 something year old guys are gonna beat out a bunch of 23 to 20 like eight year old people who have the whole world like they don't care like and they're not even addicted i think that's the other piece is like they're not even addicted to like the same staples of like society that like my grandparents had right like they don't care about having a house. They don't care about having a bunch of cars. They don't care. They'd be like, I don't have to do none of that. So the carrots aren't even the same. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that again, my dream, and perhaps it's just a dream, is that the companies that continue to act a ass are going to fail or they're going to have to radically change. And like, I don't think that the world's going to be completely everything that the Gen Zers want, but it's going to be more what they want than what boomers and late Gen Xers want. So, you know, we've talked about this changing world, how it's kind of chaotic, you know, it's bifurcating, right? The old versus the new. What is living corporate offer that you can't get anywhere else? Yeah. So I'm going to tell you something. You're not checking out media that calls out the bullshit straight to people's face like living corporate does and where we 
decenter white comfort in such extreme ways at the intersection of corporate America like Living Corporate does. That just does not happen. Like I've listened to a lot of content, I've talked to a lot of people, and we work with a lot of brands who double and triple confirm my statement, right? So even when you think about like, again, there's Living Corporate flagship, we have another show called The Break Room. Break Room is hosted by uh, some black psychologists and psychiatrists, and they talk about mental health and wellness for black folks at work. And there's no other show that I've seen that will literally talk about white behavior and the connection between white behavior and black trauma at work like The Break Room does. So shout out to Dr. Bibashigbin and to Dr. Coleman, respectively, who host and have these incredible conversations. They're talking really frankly while also inserting deep expertise that comes with being mental health PhD folks, right? Like it's incredible. And so we offer that. I think we offer authenticity in this space. We offer frankness. And then we also offer practical wisdom, right? So it's not that we're like coming on and like grabbing a mic and screaming, man, y'all white folks ain't shit. Y'all trash. Y'all so evil. Like that's not what we're doing. We're having a frank conversation about the reality of historically marginalized experience. And then we're also then pushing and saying, okay, in this moment, what should executive leaders be doing? What should like aspirational allies be doing? What should oppressive pressed folks be doing? And how can they continue to navigate? Think about it like this. So like the best career moments I've ever had were like when I wasn't at my office or when I wasn't on a Zoom. It was when someone was like, yo, let's go out for drinks and like, let's just like catch up for like an hour. Those conversations. And I bet if you were to think about your conversations and where you, when you've gotten the realest talk, it was in those moments. Hey, let's grab coffee. Let's grab drinks. Let's grab dinner. Let's take the afternoon off. Let's just go over here and let's just you and I have a conversation. That's what we're offering. And we're offering that several times a week, every single week throughout the entire year. If there's an emerging voice on living corporate who you want to just highlight here, who maybe, you know, has got a newer show, someone you're really proud of on the platform, who would that be? Oh, what a good question. Here's the thing. I continue to be proud of all of our shows and all of our hosts, right? We have Neil Edwards of the Leadership Range. He's frankly the most credentialed executive coach that I have ever met. So he has like all these global certifications. There's like literally like only like four or five of the people even have all those certifications. So he's coming back with the Leadership Range later this month. I'm really proud of him for that. I'm really proud of his content. I'm proud of the credential that he brings to these conversations. And like when you think about all these executives who want coaching and need coaching, he's providing that in a really like digestible format with his podcast so that he's great and then yep we talked about the break room the group chat with Vonda Page phenomenal um, the access point and that's led by executive producer Justin and I say all that and not but because but means you're canceling that out what I'm really excited about though is the fact that we have a whole new research team that we've stood up right so we're working with blind for those who don't know blind is like this anonymous posting platform for jobs people at work they can be gun on there and they talk about the real about how jacked up the job is or what they're seeing in the market or the interview whatever we've actually partner with them and we get thousands of survey responses on a monthly basis on various topics. The first blind study we did was about and blind study kind of like a no pun study with blind to talk about like employee engagement. We talked about the fact that based on the data, we're seeing like larger levels of disengagement in the workforce than we've ever seen before. And that the great disengagement is like really the biggest threat that organizations really need to be preparing for. This next study that we're going to be doing is talking about the impact of abortion access and healthcare rights and the impact of jobs job, transience, and career development, right? And so that's actually led by Mike Schmidt, who I jokingly say is our diversity hire because he's white. <laughs> um, he's, phenom he's phenomenal. He's very talented. And he's really like our head of insight and research at Living Corporate. I think about Mike, but I more so think about this new function because like Living Corporate isn't just, again, like to your, like we're a resource, we're a thought leadership space. So like we want to be seen as, hey, like, no, these guys, they not only have like really great conversations, dynamic information, they really are 
phenomenal data analysis and insight as well. They're bringing together like these incredible surveys in partnership with Blind, but then also like creating like really thought out data driven insights related to like the world of work. And so I'm really, really excited about that. Well, I love all of that. And as we start to wrap up the conversation, what I see this new partnership akin to is kind of the work that you do in your day job. I mean, you started out the show by saying you're a tech executive and you've had this passion for data and primary research throughout your entire career. So, you know, since you've been on the show, you've changed jobs. What are you doing right now? Yeah. So when I first interviewed, I think I was a diversity and inclusion officer. You are. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Cool. 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 And not an officer, director. Forgive me. Oh my God. I'm mad. You're going to get fired because your title's wrong. Yeah. I was director of DEI Social Impact, reporting to the office, the, the the chief diversity officer, and it was great. It was internal. But then as I continued on, there was a recognition, acknowledgement that I really need to be more market facing. And so I pivoted from being an internal DEI role to really more of like a go to market role where I'm like helping develop products and solutions that we're then selling and delivering. And they're all data analytics and like people analytics driven products and solutions. And so that's really like where my space is when I think about my vocational, like my nine to five thing, like while that continues to happen between whenever I pivot from that to doing living corporate full time, that'll be really where my sweet spot will continue to be. Lori, it's going to be in this like connecting people and data to tell really dynamic stories. And I'm really excited about that. And to your point, I definitely want to create various species of that at living corporate, because when you think about like our position and all these relationships we have with like all these executive brands, all these Fortune 500 brands, I want to be able to eventually go back to these folks that we've had on the show and say, hey, look, look at this latest research. You should partner with us for this. You should partner with us for like, we want to continue to expand our footprint so that we can continue to make an impact. Well, you know, Zach, one of the things I really love and appreciate about you is that you're the example of the individual who's using all quadrants of your brain. You know, you've got an interesting job, you've got hobbies, you've got a good spiritual life, and you're focused on your family. And I think maybe all four of those don't always work at the same speed at the same time. But in order to live a rich and interesting life, you've got to have all of that. I don't know. What do you think about that? I look to you as an example when people are like, who's really doing it right out there? I'm like, go look at my friends at. That is so kind. You know, here's the thing. My father had ADHD as a child and he has ADD today. I have not been diagnosed with ADD or ADHD, but I have other challenges, right? In terms of I'm neurodivergent in some other ways. And so my point is, is that I'm always thinking about various things and always trying to like just build things or like figure things out. And so I think some of it is just by the grace of God, I have a really great environment that nurtures those things. And the environment really, I mean, like my home, like my wife really like encourages me to just, she gives me space to like create and think and like reflect and then as well as like my therapist so like I have a lot of things happening for me that I think help me exist in the various dimensions that I exist which I'm really thankful for and I agree I think we owe it to ourselves like I agree with your point around like using very like explore parts of your brain explore parts of yourself and see how far you can go like you're not just this or just that like you have various things about you that are interesting I am privileged and fortunate enough to have an environment that gives me the grace and space to explore those things my my wife, honestly, living corporate came out of a hobby, right? Like now it's a whole business, but living corporate was able to happen because my wife encouraged me to do something else besides my nine to five job. But I appreciate that. That's such a kind oh thing God. to say. Oh my God, well, I mean it. And that's super sweet. I mean, I feel so lucky that first of all, you came on Punk Rock 
HR, you know, a year ago, whenever that was, and you wanted to come back and that we stay connected through social media. And it's always really good to see you. So thanks again for being a guest. Thank you. Shout out to Punk Rock HR. Like y'all are super fire. Please continue going. Call out these organizations where they need to be called out. And yes, white people. Listen, I'm going to say this since I got this before. This will be my last sign off. I get out of here, Lori. White people. I know you listen to this. You're probably like, yo, this guy is a lot or like, wow, this is, he's fairly, fairly brash. Kind of hurt my feelings. Listen. It's not you personally. I'm speaking just to the system reality of historically marginalized people. You're talking to this man right now who's a black founder, like several other tech founders, who is under-resourced and over-coached. What I need you to do, let's say you feel guilty right now, you're trying to figure out where can I support, what can I really do? Check out living-corporate.com. Check out livingcorporate.co, livingcorporate.us, livingcorporate.org. Just check us out. Google Living Corporate. Tell your friends about us. Hit me up at Zach at living-corporate.com. If you're an executive, because I know a lot of you executives be listening to this podcast, I'm not sleeping. Hit us up. You're trying to figure out some type of employer branding campaign, some type of learning programmatic solution for your people. Like, let me know. We work with brands all the time. But help me out, right? I don't want you to just to give me your things. Let me earn them, but give me a chance because Living Corporate is going to continue to grow. I'm going to tell you something. I need support for that to happen. And I'm not the only one. Support a black founder. Support a black or brown entrepreneur today. That's it. I'm done. No, Zach. You know, anytime you want to come back, you're welcome to it. And thanks again for being a guest today. Thank you. All right. Peace. Hey everybody, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Punk Rock HR. We are proudly underwritten by The Star Conspiracy. The Star Conspiracy is the B2B marketing agency for innovative brands creating the future of workplace solutions. For more information, head on over to thestarconspiracy.com. Punk Rock HR is produced and edited by RepCap with special help from Michael Thibodeau and Devin McGrath. For more information, show notes, links, and resources, head on over to punkrockhr.com. Now that's all for today, and I hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next time on Punk Rock HR. Punk Rock HR.